Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me as always, Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man? Ben, I'm currently sitting um, in my house with my two other roommates uh, navigating their own lives in this house while the snowplow uh, scrapes through my uh, driveway and through my, my surrounding streets. So um, everyone's going to get a quick audio insight as to like what my uh, life may be like just in this episode with everything else uh, kind of unfolding around me. So if you hear any uh, loud noises, just know that all is okay your, your beloved podcast host, your co-host, I should say, is safe, um, but just wanted to, to throw that out there before we begin. I think one of the weirdest things moving to Chicago has been for me, like, is experiencing waking up to a snowplow coming by my window and salt and just pelting it. And I have yep. never experienced that in my life. Pretty happy that I've never had to deal with that before, but it, it's it's going to be an adjustment. I I mean, snow all the time, icy roads all the time. It's just I I got to survive until April. We're, we're going to see how it goes. Yeah, I like to pretend, or at least that's what I told myself, is that when I moved down to Virginia, that like life, you know, the winters weren't going to be as bad. And they were in Philadelphia. They're the same thing that the weather just happens a day earlier than it does in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so um, it's it's the same thing. Uh, just because I'm below the Mason Dixon doesn't mean anything at this point, I guess. But um, other than that, Ben, no one really cares about the weather uh, around our surrounding areas. What they do care about, though, is what we have on the podcast for today. Uh, up to nine ratings and reviews, solid. Uh, no, actually, I think rating comments, but that's fine. We'll, we'll take nine. Uh, we wanted to get to ten, didn't get to ten. Close. Um, we can get to yeah, we can get to eleven. I think we can get to eleven this week. Um, we'll, we'll work. We'll rally. Everyone, kind of work with us here. We're giving you good content, good pos- podcasting. We're back at our peak of our game, sorta. Um, <laughs> and that's yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. So we'll go with eleven for today. Did I miss anything? No, yeah. Also, you can add ratings and reviews on, well, maybe not reviews, but ratings on Spotify. So give us oh. some reviews on Spotify. We don't have any yet. I did just check. We don't have any yet, but new feature for spot, for Spotify listeners. So uh, give us some cred uh, on the Spotify platform as well. Speaking of uh, actually rating, someone gave us a one star. All right. Don't know who that is, mom, um, but I'm, uh, I'm watching you guys. So yeah, as I like to imagine it's my mom. No, in, in reality, whoever it is, it's okay. We'll work for your love. Uh, we'll, we'll make it happen. Um, if you haven't uh, found out already, um, we were able to, uh, and by we, I mean me, uh, I was able to chat with Ben Flanagan uh, earlier in the week, uh, just signing with On Running. We had about a 15-minute conversation with him. Um, I was able to chat with him, talk about a few things there. So pretty cool experience. Um, we're exploring the idea of interviews and talking to a few people and how that's going to work with the site and for our subscribers and podcast listeners. So just know that that's kind of in the works. We're kind of figuring out the logistics there, but we wanted to kind of experiment with Ben because he's a friend of the, uh, of the podcast and whatnot. So shout out to him and his signing. He also just had a very nice race uh, at the Houston half. Um, ben, anything I missed before we get started? No, yeah, that that interview was interesting. Ben's had a really uh, busy last few months, uh, a lot of road racing, the uh, Falmouth uh, race uh, that he won. That was super impressive. And then he had to come back and run the half that he did. Um, Only like 
a little bit behind the Canadian, I think, half record that Rory Linkletter ended up getting. So big signing for on, and I'm happy to see him uh, sign up with them as well. Cool. All right. Ben, uh, we've got some action. We've got plenty of action to go through. Uh, you had some questions that you wanted to pose to get us started here today for what was a wild weekend of action. So I'll let you go ahead. Absolutely. So while it was, it's been cold outside for us, it was certainly hot on the track. Um, oh, and the nice. first, yeah, there you go. A little transition there. Um, did any of these races, so we saw a lot of good performances this weekend, but did any of these races reshape how you look at any title race at for March, this March coming up? For me, it doesn't. Um, you know, I was kind of going through a few of these. Um, I, I think you could potentially say that Kieran Lum's 355 win at Washington potentially may, you know, muddies the waters for someone who could contend for a mile national title. Um, so I think that kind of validates his idea that maybe he's contending for gold. I think we kind of still need to see, you know, what else he does in other events because I don't even know if he's going to be running the mile, but 355 is just stupid fast. The problem is that uh, Yarn Goose exists and um, there's a few other names out there. Ilya kept saying, who's apparently going to run 348 this season. Um, you know, I just <laughs> didn't know he was injured and coming back from an injury. Going to going to have to that's true. Uh, scrape that that's one true. from the record. We'll that's never true. know, Garrett. So, we'll never know. Yeah, yeah, or, or so or so social media suggests that he is. Um, but yeah, um basically, you know, looking through that. So other than that though, outside of maybe the the D1 range, you could argue about like Aaron All from Simon Fraser or Aiden Ryan at Williams or in the 3K there, but um, no, I, I thought it was pretty straightforward with a possible exception of Kieran Lum running 355. Yeah, Lum was the one that I had circled um, and not necessarily for the mile, but I think that really this performance to not only run the fast time, but to win the race really validates uh, the high ranking that we had on him early yep. uh, in the preseason, which I'll admit I was a little skeptical about. And I think I pushed back a little bit about ranking him maybe as high as we did. Um, and I am fully on board now. And I, I think that he has a chance of disrupting maybe that 3k, uh, title race a little bit more than I initially thought. And that's why I think my thoughts on the title, the 3k title race will change a little bit because of that performance. The mile, I, I, I just, I don't see anybody getting past the goose, like you said. And I think that's why that, why he won't end up running the mile. But I, I really do think he could do some damage in the 3K and could bring home the title, which is way different than I, I thought coming into this weekend. Yeah, yeah. He's super explosive. Just a very explosive, electric, dynamic talent. Um, reminds me a lot of Mario Garcia Romo, just in terms of his vers yeah. versatility, what he's able to do. Just a powerful, all-out runner. And he can has great control. He has really good control of his fitness and of his tactics and how he approaches certain races. He's one of the more impressive runners I've ever seen race, um, at least on the collegiate scene, I should say. Um, I did want to throw this out there though. We're talking about national title contending instances here. Um, teammate Luke Hauser from Washington also just ran 357. Do you see where I'm going with this? Where am I going with this? Are we going DMR? We're going DMR because you have a 357 guy and a 355 guy, maybe they're going after a DMR. And it, it doesn't seem 
unrealistic, especially if Lum's going to be the guy that goes after the 3K at the national meet, right? Uh, you could throw Sam Tanner in a leg too. I, I mean, they got right. they got plenty of guys. I I hadn't thought of that, but that's that's a formidable lineup. You don't even have to run all three of those guys. You could run, you could pick right. two. But if you did want to load up, you you have three guys who are three fifty seven or faster. Someone, one of those guys should be able to run a really solid eight hundred leg as well. Yeah, I. I, I think you could certainly put them in the favorites now, and I don't think we had them in that category be, before this weekend. Yeah, yeah, and they're just so – you know, Sam Tanner, I'm not going to lie. There was a brief moment there where I forgot that he existed. So, <laughs> um, you know, just like the fact that there's a 334, 1500-meter guy that I'm just not thinking of who's also on their roster um, who can – who you know, we've seen cruise to 355-mile efforts um, – that's really scary. That's really scary. If they, if if Washington wants to, they could put together one of the scariest DMR lineups I can remember in recent history. And that maybe even goes well, maybe not quite at the same level as the Oregon men that we saw last, last year. year. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's it's not that, that's a pretty good lineup. It's not that far off either. So, no, I, I agree. That's that's a good shout. Um, all right, next question. Most surprising result of the weekend. I'll let you take this because I feel like you might have someone for this. Um, th- this one I had a, a few thoughts on. So the first one on the men's side, I I was I was pretty stunned by Ryan Shop's uh, three fifty eight uh, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State sophomore has had a lot of good performances, but to see him run that fast in the mile, really unopposed was a pretty like when I saw that come up on Twitter, I was pretty shocked that that was the person that won the race. And by that magnitude, like I I think this puts him in a different class in terms of how I see him. Does this necessarily mean he's going to be a contender in the mile? I I don't think so necessarily, but it shows that he at least has the potential, which I, I did not see at all coming into this weekend. Yeah, shop is. And I think it might be Shoppy who I, I'm. You know, I'm not sure. We got to figure that out. But yeah, because um, I remember we we had this conversation before. We were like, "What's his name?" And then someone was nice <laughs> enough to email us. I'm pretty sure it's Shoppy. I'll go back and find the email. I apologize that. to that listener. Yeah, but but you're right. I think Shoppy's a, a great name, and not only that, but he, he. It's it's not that he just won and then he won by a lot. It's that he won and he made it look really easy. Mm-hmm. He crossed the line, pointed to someone in the crowd, kind of like him the the old Texas gunfinger kind of point and smoke, you know, kind of deal. It's he looked really good. I mean, that's there's few guys who I've ever seen run more relaxed and that fast. Sam Tanner is up there running like 355 and having a smile on his face as he crosses the line. Um, he's one of those guys, but I, I like Shapka a lot. Um Duncan Miller, the Aussie from Princeton, mm-hmm. he was kind of not really a factor for the last few years, part mainly because Ivy League didn't really let anyone compete um, in their conference. But, uh, you know, he started the season off with a 402 mile, you know, right next to Sam Ellis, who's a 357 veteran on his team. And then he runs 357 this weekend, uh, or at least last weekend, if you're listening to this. Um, right again, right next to Sam Ellis. And he's actually was kind of close to the 356 range as well. So uh, Duncan Miller 
is a nice surprise or very pleasant surprise. There's a lot of surprises that you could argue with here. I, I want to quickly transition to the women, though, because Madison Heisterman and Anna Gibson were two really solid performances. A 434 mile for Heisterman, uh, 437 for Gibson. Now, they had some strong 1500 meter times. Like, let's not take that away from them. They had strong 1500 meter times beforehand. But there was really not an indication that Heisterman was going to run as fast as she did with a 434. And frankly, I think coming to the season, if you would have told me that Anna Gibson would have been in position to qualify for the national meet individually in the mile, I would have said, who? And (laughs) sorry, but that's just the reality. And it really goes to show how much of a jump she's made and how impressive she's been. She might still be on the line. If I'm her, I'm maybe pursuing a race that's a little faster. She's sitting at 437 high. So she may want to run another fast mile, but regardless, Heisterman's now in a position where it's like, hey, All-American maybe? It's it, it's tight, um, but I, I like those two as well. Yeah, I, I, those were going to be my pick on the women's side because, I mean, for me, Heisterman, I, I didn't know that much about her. Obviously, she had a, a good spring, um, and when I was looking at what she did last, last spring, an even better year than I thought, but to right. run 434... Um, you mentioned in the article that that would have been number nine in the country uh, last year, which I think is a good way of framing these performances because I, I think, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in future episodes, but I think we're going to see the qualifying times jump like a lot from last year. I think we're going to see the fastest every year in terms of qualifying times. And I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Um, and so number nine, at least puts her, I, I think she should feel pretty good about that spot qualifying. And for her now, she with that under her belt, she can go on and do what she wants the rest of the winter and put together some really good performances in other events, train really hard if she wants to, and be a big-time factor when March comes around, which for someone that I was not on my radar coming this weekend, I think that qualifies as a huge surprise. Yeah, I mean, and you make a great point about how this year is primed to be so much faster because we forget the cross-country season got in the way of the indoor national meet last year and took away some participants from the indoor national meet who could have more focused on the indoor season, so on and so forth. So now you have the entire year, you have everyone back, and last year was already historically fast for the indoor Mm -hmm. track as it was, and you're seeing, you know, Ali Shadler in the women's 5K is the 16th seed right now, uh, at 1550, I remember years where it's like, oh, you didn't have to break 16 uh, in order to get a spot to the national meet, right? I mean, that is pretty absurd stuff. And of course, you know, we've talked about the men, like the men have like, what, nine, I think guys under 1330, I think I mistakenly said 12 on one podcast, but I think it's some ridiculous number, like nine under 1330 this year. I mean, the, the Ben's 5k is unbelievably fast. And we've already been talking about the, the men's mile this year, we have, what, eight guys under the four-minute barrier. Here's a fun fact. All eight of those guys have run under not just four minutes, but under 3.59 as well. That's really fast. If you're under 3.59, you're typically in contention to qualify for the national meet some years with scratches. But that, like, and, you're sh- and Ben's shaking his head for everyone who can't see here. It, it's really fast. It's really fast stuff. Uh, yeah, 3.58 is not going to make it. Like, Which is I, wild. Yeah, which is which is absolutely nuts. But yeah, I I think those are definitely some of our biggest surprises, and it'll be cur- it'll be interesting to kind of monitor where that line is between the 16th and 17th qualifying runners, 
to see like what that time ends up being at the end of the year. And, and I think we, we might have to make predictions at some point because I, I am curious to see how fast some of these times go. Yeah, I think we got we got to definitely start doing that um, sooner. We got to start playing out the, the, the meets, lining them up. We did that one year. Um, and I think we were pretty good, maybe a little, uh, you know, maybe a little over, close here, close there, some here, some not, but regardless, um, yeah, this is, uh, this, this weekend was like, just, just like, you knew everyone's, there's going to be fast times every weekend from here on out. Yeah. But for this early in the season, when everyone's just truly beginning to come back and start competing, this was one of the faster, middle weekends of January I've, I've seen in a very long time for certain distances. So yeah, um, sorry. Did you have any, did you have any other uh, questions or was that any other prompts? Last one, least surprising result of the weekend. Oh, do you have a name for this already? Yes. So I, I, <laughs> and I, I like this prompt because I think it just really depends on how you viewed someone coming into this weekend. But for me, Sean Dolan running at 148, I feel like I could have just like set my clock on that. Like I, there was, sure. I there was no way he wasn't going to run a sub 150. The way he closed the spring last year, I I mean he's just looking in great form, and it was super unsurprising for me to see for me to see him run a 148. Yeah, and he was a guy who actually ran 146 on the outdoor yeah. oval last summer unattached. And so when you throw that in there, because everyone thinks like, oh, well, he's just a miler. He had one great national meet. It's like, no, no, no. He had a great national meet, ran 357 at that national meet, then got to the outdoor season, ran 339, ran 148 as a collegiate attached that spring season, and then went to the summer where he ran 146. The guy's a star. The guy's a true star. And it's a very great point. Like him not running – under 150 would have been like that that's not going to happen you know it's yeah. much more likely that he was going to run a 148 149 range i thought his his 800 was a little faster than expected especially with competition that was kind of more in the 149 range still good competition but you know it was a little quicker a little quicker and by a little quicker i mean like a half second quicker than maybe i was anticipating um but still a strong result for me i'll, I'll just go on the men's side for now the least surprising result was probably Duncan Hamilton running a converted 356 because he ran, I think what it was a 405 original time, but between the altitude and the flat track, he ran, I mean, like he got a heavy conversion and we do this every year. One guy who's proven himself outside of just altitude goes to an altitude and flat track track. That's, I know that sounds weird, but that was actually a real sentence, but he goes to that setting and run something quick enough to get a heavy conversion. Hamilton's done this before. He's run 357. He did it last year. Every Montana State great before him did something like this where they were getting big sub four marks. I remember when Christian Serratos ran like a 355 conversion and the world just panicked and they were like, well, well he's, he's not the real deal. I'm just like, oh, well, let's let's give him a shot. Let's test him. But then he actually goes out and runs something um, – I think legitimately faster. I think he actually ran 350, 356 conversion and a 355 time at the University of Washington. Tested uh, Edward Chez that year in the mile. So for me, I just think like we've been here. We've done this before. Everything about Hamilton said that he was going to get a big conversion to a big sub four. And it's just, it's just like clockwork. It happens every year. 
yeah, that was not surprising. And I'm sure we'll get a reaction again, but like there really shouldn't be at this point. Like he he's done this. He was great during the indoor and outdoor season last year. I mean, he was good during cross. Like he he's just a stud across the board. There's no reason to doubt those times. They they end the the conversions end up being pretty accurate. Um, on the women's side, I thought Lauren Ryan running four thirty eight was just pretty standard. Yeah. Very yep. very solid performance. Like good run. She's a great runner. I think it'll be interesting to see what she can do in the longer distances. But a four thirty eight mile, just spot on for her. Yeah, um, I'd say she's absolutely a, a pick of mine. Like even Lauren Ryan, I think I saw something on like her Instagram where she was like, "Just happy to get some like like you know some turnover under my legs in this meet." And I was like, "Yeah, that sounds about right." I, I I think there's a lot of interesting routes that she could be taking with the DMR three thousand, five thousand, figuring out what she's going to pursue at the national meet. Don't really know. Um, I don't. I'm not saying the five thousand meters is is the wrong move, but I'm saying. Let's maybe explore other options before we actually get to March. And do we just say, oh, it's the 5,000 meters, no doubt. Um, My pick is just like the most obvious, least surprising result of the entire weekend. It's Shafiqa Maloney running 204. That was was my other one. Yeah. Just handily destroying her competition. And it's just like, yeah. Like, I mean, if you would have told me what she was going to run, I would have said like 204, 205. And it's just... It's, it's about right and i i wish i could say something more it's just it's so on par so yeah if she would have run anything other than like 204 to 206 i would have been pretty surprised like she just is very good on her home track early in the season like she can just produce these solid performances throughout the entire year starting in january all right, so we've gone through, we've talked about a few of your prompts there, and I think that was actually a good way uh, to kind of get under this. Ben, I'm going to pose just, a, we're going to talk about a few results here. I'll, I'll pose a few questions here as we kind of get through it. Um, Brandon Miller, what's more important, that he started the season with a 147 time or that he beat Craig Angles and route to that 147? Only barely. That he won. I, I mean, I think a 147 is good. But the fact that he had someone right on his shoulder the entire last lap, um, watching that video that I think Texas A&M posted, it was really interesting just to watch Angles try to, and, and obviously we have no idea where Angles is at in his fitness, but to see him just try to make a move time after time and Miller just slamming the door shut around every turn yep. was super impressive. And, and I think that bodes really well for him. We've seen him be really tactically strong um, going back to last indoor season, despite not having the fastest times. We saw him win win the SEC championship. And I think he just has the fitness to go along with that this year, which is what makes him so, I think, the clear favorite going into March. Yeah, yeah. He looks so controlled in that race, and he had no fear fending off a pro Nike star in Craig Angles, showed a lot of poise, a lot of strength. Early season 147, loved everything about it. Uh, big shout out to Brandon Miller. Emily McKay, Binghampton, uh, 1542 runner for 5,000 meters. Um, maybe she's looking at the 800 now because she just ran a flat track converted 204 at Lehigh. Original time was 206. I can tell you that Lehigh, while not a bad track, isn't exactly the fastest track either. So um, I can 
say with that, that's a pretty strong and pretty legitimate 204 conversion. Um, and I, I think it's a, a pretty fair mark. Um, does she, should she, I should say this, get, you know, put the 5,000 meters to the side, go all in on the 800, or does the 5K specialist stick with what she knows best and put the 400 aside, even though she's like on the verge, right in the mix of qualifying? Yeah, I, I think this is more proof that she should run neither event. I, I think that she oh. should probably focus on an in-between, a mile, or 3K. What this, what this 204 shows me is that she has that finishing speed that I think is going to be really important in more tactical races, and I just don't see the 5K being that. And so while 1542 is great, I don't think that necessarily puts her in contention to be right there in the last lap or two. Maybe we're talking about a 3K where it isn't super all out and this 204 becomes a lot more important. Okay, so I like that take a lot. The problem for me, though, is that if I'm a K, I'm just like, hey, listen, I'm not going to try to run my luck up with another (laughs) on the verge national time in the mile or the 3,000 meters. You know, am I going to go with the spot that I know I potentially have a real chance in? Or am I going to go, like you said, to something that on paper, you know, uh, supports the assertion that I can do really well there? Because at this point, if I feel like if, if that was the case, we would have already seen it. Um, but maybe I'm I wrong. Mean, she has and, time. Like, I mean, it is middle does. of January. And I yeah, mean, she does. Fast 3Ks might be harder to find, but a fast mile would not. Like, that's, no. she's going to have opportunities. I I would be... Maybe she goes to somewhere like Ocean Breeze and tries to get a fast mile time. I could see her trying to find Kaylee Richards and, um, oh gosh, I don't even know if Lope Black is actually, I don't think Lope Black is actually still around. So never mind. But maybe someone like Kaylee Richards, right, trying to go after something quick. Um, or go I would to BU. Maybe, or I go mean, to BU. Yeah, I mean, BU's right there, obviously. Um, I mean, at least in that Northeast region, I should say. Um, so yeah, you're right. There's options, there's time. My thing, though, is that I almost kind of – you've got the two races. They might be on the different spectrum of distances. Go with what you with, with what you know and try to really hammer home a, a national qualifying seat time. But really that just depends on what you want um, and what you're trying to aim for there. So best of luck to Emily. Um, we'll move forward there. Yeah. Anyways, um, go ahead. Go ahead. You are going to say something? Yeah, no, I, I I just think it bodes well for her no matter what she does. I don't I don't think there's a wrong answer to that question. Um, did you want to talk about the fast uh, thousands that we saw this weekend? Beat me to it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, who do you want to start with? You want to start with the women or the men? Let's start with the women. Um, Presley Weems running 246. Grace Jensen was right behind her in 247. Um, I think for Weems, this is just a continuation of what we saw last outdoor season. And I mean, she really broke out in a big way. Um, I mean, 246 is fast, but it, it wasn't yep. super surprising for me to see her run well based off what she did last year. And I, I really think her being a little bit more established this coming season bodes well for her chances to be a little bit more competitive at the national level after she's not she doesn't have to make that huge jump in fitness again to be competitive this year just has to be incremental improvements and and a little bit more being tactically sound and i I think she's someone that could be someone to watch if she can do that 
Yeah, she was so good last spring. I mean, she made it to the national meet, didn't do well the national meet, but you can't take away from, from what she did. She was really fast, over 1,500 meters, great over 800 meters. Very clearly, I think the big question mark we had for her coming into this season was, can you translate that outdoor success to the indoor success? Because we've seen before, not everyone can do it. And while most women can, it's not always a given. So for us, Williams running 246, pretty huge. Grace Jensen of Vanderbilt, 247, really nice time for her. Uh, she's a 207, 800 meter runner. So there's, you know, there's certainly, you know, an understanding that she was already a quick and accomplished runner, but that's, that's a time that kind of suggests like, Hey, you're probably closer to 205 shape than 207 shape for a, uh, for 800 meters. Yeah. And, and she's someone that I've been fortunate enough to watch at a lot of races, um, during my career, we, we often went to a lot of Vandermilt meets and she's just always been someone to stick her nose into the competition and compete well. And I think what we're seeing is she's taken another step up. Like you said, always been a solid talent, but I I think this could be the year where the fitness is matching that kind of competitive fire. And we're going to see some good, some even better performances from her. And and I would love to see her sneak into the national meet if she can improve on her 800 time by a few seconds. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely root for, for people like her, especially veteran, been a solid talent for a while um so i you know i don't know how this 1000 meter translates for her specifically i think we have a better idea of how it translates for weems but nonetheless uh, solid marks all around so um let's move to the men's side georgetown had four guys under 224 for a thousand meters matthew piamps uh Piamps, piampus i'm sorry i know i'm butchering that name i shouldn't butcher that name i apologize um but we also had a, a few others i believe it was uh, Camden Gilmore, and it was oh gosh, someone's gonna make Parker me Stokes. That's who it was, Parker Stokes. Abel and it was a uh, yeah, and a Bell Tafra or Abel. Um, yeah. so uh, Gilmore 222, Stokes 222, Tafra 223. Um, thoughts on the race? I, I mean, it's a boring take, but it's like this is what the Georgetowns, the Penn States, the Villanovas of the world do, right? I mean, they, they put out really good middle distance runners year after year. And, and I mean, if you're looking at guys that are more the bigger stars, I, I mean, I think you have to look at Parker Stokes, someone who's been a little bit more established, but to see guys like Gilmore and Tefra run well, I mean, Piamps is someone that has, has shown a little bit uh, during his career as well. But I, to see some new guys step up and to see Stokes continue to develop his more middle distance chops, I, I think it's just a solid performance across the board. This feels like an early statement that Georgetown's middle distance group is kind of quote-unquote back. Um, not like Texas football is back and Notre Dame football is back. I mean actually back where they're actually you know competitive. <laughs> Shout out Texas, shout out Notre Dame. Anyways, um, but it's one of those instances where I just take a look at this and I say, if you run under 224, this is not a joke. Like you legitimately have some real speed to you. And 221 um, isn't slouching either. Also, shout out to Sean Peterson of Youngstown State running 222 for second in that race as well. It's really solid for me. Stokes' 222 effort is big. And that tells me, okay, he can. He has speed under him. He has some legitimate speed, and he can translate his steeplechase finish to maybe something like the mile, right? And that 
that seems to to mesh together pretty well in my opinion. I wouldn't be surprised if he's running 358 this season. That that would be my that would be my estimate. Yeah, no, and I I don't I don't see any reason to disagree with that. I and I think your point on Georgetown being back is important because I think you can we've been lulled to sleep with a lot of these spectacular performances from across the country and a lot of these traditional programs might have gotten left in the dust a little bit. Maybe not really. Their, their times haven't gotten worse necessarily, but they haven't improved at the rapid rate that we've seen a lot of other teams right. or individuals run. And I, I think Georgetown, we saw it during the outdoor season. I, I remember watching them at um, the Ole Miss meet uh, where they're all the fast 1500s and seeing all their guys run like under 343, um, it was really impressive to see. And I think we're kind of seeing the continuation of that as well. All right, so I'm going to transition us here uh, out of the thousand to the mile. We've pretty much on the men's side talked about everyone. You know, we said about Sam Ellis, Princeton, Duncan Miller, Princeton, each running 357, Luke Hauser, 357, Shabby, 358, uh, Duncan Hamilton's converted 356. We talked about Kieran Lums, 355. What we didn't talk about, however, is Colton Johnson's 355 stuck with Lum the entire time was right on his back finished right behind him I mean he just looks like a different runner like last year he ran national qualifying times in the 3k 5k and the mile 357 mile opted to go for the 3k 5k double and I'm gonna be honest when he didn't earn all American honors in either the 3k or 5k I was kind of like and not, not a total surprise. Would I have been shocked if he got All-American honors? No. But I also wasn't surprised that he just didn't get there. You know, like he seemed like he was good, great range, but still needed to take another step up. Now, last December, runs 3, 1334 for 5,000 meters. Really strong start to a season. But you're like, okay, well, you know, it's not that big of a PR. Let's see, you know, how he capitalizes on the rest of the season. Follows Lum, beats Ellis, beats Hauser beats uh, Miller and around to a 355 PR. This is kind of a validation like, okay, now you're the real deal kind of performance. Am I wrong? I I, I just feel like he's always been the real deal. Like, I, I mean, I think okay. in terms of maybe his All-American potential, then yes. Maybe right. that if you're defining that as real deal. I am. I think that's what I am. And, and and so in that respect, probably because he's always been super versatile, and I think that we can sometimes overvalue that. Just seeing sure. someone run a lot of really good, solid performances across the board, but none that are good enough to score at the national meet. I think he's gotten to the point where you have to consider him a very strong contender to score and and not just in one event. He still has that same versatility, but I think it's just improved enough to the point where he's a top eight contender. Okay. Let's put it this way. Let's say Johnson, and this this is probably not going to happen, but let's say Johnson only contests one event at the national meet. Is he an all American lock? in the mile three K or five K regardless of the event that he contests. Lock. Ooh. Lock. That's what I'm saying. I, 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 I no, because I just don't, it's, it, I can't say that on January 17th. Like, right. I, no, I get that. Yeah. 
we could see so many fast times and I just, I feel like we're going to see a lot of three fifty fives. Like I, okay. So let's say he runs the mile fresh. Is he a lock? No, no. Yeah. And, and I, he's, there's not he's, a lot of guys I would say that are locks. Either. Yeah. There might be two or three people I consider a lock for like, definitely are going to score, but He's in that group where I think he, and he's on that top half of the group. I would probably peg him in there right now, but I just don't feel super confident in it. Yeah. I think this is more of a, it's still early in the season thing rather than a, it's a Colton Johnson thing. Um, I, I don't think this is anything against Colton Johnson has quite literally now given us very little to dislike. I mean, it's, 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 he's ranked at 25 in our rankings and that 355 mile just, just gonna, I mean, he's going to have to catapult up our rankings oh, yeah. because that that's a mark that really gives him a level of firepower that's nationally competitive and nationally elite. So um, shout out to Colton Johnson. Um, okay. The women's mile, nothing a lot more that I want to talk about here. Magnus yeah. gets a nice win, 441. Did you want to talk about that at all? Not particularly. I, I think it's a, a solid performance and, and it's always good to get the win. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing super surprising there either. Okay. So we've talked about the mile. We're going to move to the 3K. There wasn't really any major 5Ks from this weekend, but the 3K. Um, let's 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 talk about the women first. Uh, Viral Baker. And I'm sorry if I'm saying that. Viral, Viral, Viral Baker. Let's go with that. Uh, beats Ali Shadler, Portland over Washington. Uh, each running 914. What are you? What is your takeaway from? Shadler's loss, Viral's win. And I should say that when I say loss and wins, I'm talking about as far as collegiates go. I believe there was uh, one woman ahead of them and who actually won the entire race. But go ahead. I, I don't want to be negative or overly <laughs> negative, but I, sure. I feel like this says a lot, a lot more about Shadler than maybe Baker. And I, I'm a little worried about Shadler. I mean, again, it's early. But I, I would have expected her to win. I would have expected her to probably run under 9-10. I mean, good performance from Baker and, and yeah. nothing against what she did. I, I mean, she beat a very strong name and ran a, a very solid time. But yeah, I, I just wasn't super impressed by Shadler. Yeah, yeah and I think... Are the way we discuss this race and the narrative behind it is a little different if Shadler runs just atrocious, right? If she's running super poorly, but she didn't. Like she actually ran a respectable race. It was a fine result. Um, it wasn't anything crazy. My my general rule of thumb is that no one gets to panic until we hit February. Once February runs around. And we start seeing like, oh, there's not really seeing a ton of progress. Then fine. This field was not super fast by any means. Mm -hmm. It was deep, but not all that fast. I think it perfectly set up for Baker and for Shadler. Um, you know, she still has a 1550 mark this season under her belt. She's a solid talent. She's proven to be a solid talent. I agree. I'm not exactly optimistic right now, but I, I don't think it's time to panic. Yet, I do think we need to monitor closely come February. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, and I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot of fast 3Ks outside of that first BU meet 
So it's not as if like she's losing a lot of ground on no. qualifying times or whatever right now. I mean, we're going to see a lot of fast times probably come in the next five or six weeks. But yeah, I, I think that general rule of February, if she hasn't done anything by then, and so that would kind of improve on this performance, then I would the antennas up a little bit more. Yeah, because on paper, her best event is a 3K. Right. On paper. I mean, she has an 858 PR. So on paper, it's her best event, especially with a 431 mile. Um, I do kind of wonder what her role is going to be in a DMR now. Because with Heisterman running 434, Gibson running 437, figuring out, it's like, all right, well, she's in the 3K later in the day, but like she's also running the 5K. So what does that mean for everyone else? Like, could she even still qualify for the 5K? She's run the last few women in. I don't know. We'll see. We'll figure it out. So, uh, all right. That's the women's side, though. Men's side. A scale of one to ten. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I well, you know, I think you're you're gonna go somewhere I might not have. So you start. Okay. All right. Cool. So, scale of one to ten. How surprised were you when you saw that Devin Hart ran seven fifty one, the Stanford runner? Like. So 10 being the most surprised? 10 being the most surprised. Honestly, I, I think I was like a three. Like Wow. Okay. And, and, and this this is probably an a very general take, but I feel like every year there's a Stanford runner who performs a lot better on the track than in cross country. And Devin Hart was about as good of a candidate to do that as anybody. And I, I mean, maybe that's just being like Stanford bias or whatever. Um, but I just, it, it wasn't shocking to see, I mean, see him run that fast because we know he's talented and he had a decent, some decent performances in cross. And, and I felt like that this was in him did I expect it to maybe happen this early in the season? Probably not, but I, I, it wasn't shocking to see someone of his caliber run that fast. Quick tangent before I before I said what I want to, um, Ryan Schumacher's stock, Joshua Schumacher's stock just went through the roof. Right? Yeah. So I remember us talking about just him in relation to Devin Hart at the Sioux. Just saying, just stock went through the roof. Anyways, Hart. You've convinced me a little bit. I'm going to come down from a six, probably to a four or five on my surprise scale, because I still think I'm with you. Hart is accomplished. He's a fast runner. The guy ran 1345. He's clearly quick. He's clearly competitive. If he had run under eight minutes, if he had run anything from like 756 to 759 this past weekend, I would not at all have been surprised in the slightest. I would have given you a zero, even though I said on a scale of one to 10. Um, if you give me like a 754, 755, 56, yeah, it gets up a few a few notches a little higher. I'm like, all right, that's definitely quicker than I was expecting, but not out of the realm of possibility. But 751, in an, which admittedly was in a really fast field full of really fast pros, full of collegiates who were just fast enough to push him from behind. I, yeah, I mean, it, I, yeah, it's quick. That's fast. And it's just better than anything that we had seen. He's not, he was not nearly as good on the grass. Nothing led to suspect that he was going to run 751. I mean, this is in some years, like the 12th fastest time uh, for the you know national qualifying index for 3000 meters. And that was like in one of the fastest years ever. 
So 751 is like not a, it's a no joke time to play around. Is he an all American yet? I look, I don't know if I'm there yet, but he, I think he has to do something to validate what he just did there because that was does he, so big time. Does he even qualify for nationals? Yes, he absolutely qualifies for nationals. There's, there's zero doubt. Ben's for everyone listening at home. Ben's like a little like eh, I don't know. Like uh, he absolutely qualifies for nationals with the 751. If he doesn't, if he doesn't qualify for nationals with a 751, let me see if it's a 751 low or 751 high. It's a high, 751 high. Mm, okay, still tight. There's still too many names to could scratch. Yeah, well, I, I'd the 3K say he's doesn't scratch. People don't scratch in the 3K very often, which is bizarre. Some people should. Um, yeah, but yeah, I I just don't like I I well, and I take that back. I think people actually scratch the 3K more often than some people realize. No, I take that. Back. I don't know. I have to go back and do it's my history. It's usually around on that. 18, isn't it? Like the like the 18th best performance. Yeah, usually, it usually like is. But you're, you're telling me that 17 guys are going to run 751.84 or faster? Didn't we see how many how many sub 750s did we see? Where last year we or was saw, it 2 years ago? It was a lot. I think like it, it, it was, was like 9 or 10. So let's let's look last year. I think it was twelve actually. Um, okay, so let's more. take a look at last year. Last year you saw um, only five, right? So not that, that's actually pretty much on par with what most years were like. But keep in mind the cross country national meet right. um, was taking place that same weekend. Back in twenty twenty, so this was when you know it got canceled, of course, due to the uh, COVID pandemic. Twelve guys. Ran uh, that oh gosh, Ben, I'm not gonna lie, you might have a really good point here. Oh man, um, 751.57 puts you at 17, and 752.45 puts you at 18. And yeah, there's no way it's slower than that, Ooh. it's gonna be faster than that. Mm, yeah, but then you have to think about the guys who were gonna scratch, like Nagoose was gonna run the mile, right? You had guys like, uh, yeah, like but why Edwin. wouldn't why wouldn't Nagoose just come back? And run the 3K. Uh, because that would make too much sense. Ben, come on. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, there, there are some guys like that where I'm trying to figure out what the logical next step is. I, I agree with you. I agree. There's not often a lot of, uh, there's not much of a good reason for a lot of these guys to come back and run and not, and not run the 3,000 meters. Uh, I'm trying to like take a look here. Like you could argue that Tune Tavante or Ryan Adams were not going to do it, or you know, so on and so forth. But yeah, we'll see. I, Kush, George Kusha as well. He was in that mix as well at 750. So yeah, maybe Devin Hart's not safe, which is nuts. Like I, I like I feel crazy saying that, but like I, I firmly believe we're going to just see some nut like crazy times throughout this year. Um, I, I can't believe you, I can't believe you, you remember that. Like, I, I remember thinking, oh, 752 was like the 14th seed or whatever. This it's not true. So I don't know. I, I think that, that year was historic, even in historic year where everything gets faster. Right. I don't see that. I don't see that happening. I mean, five guys last year and now you lose, you know, tier and hawker and yada, yada, yada. So. But you add NAU and BYU, like who are actually going to be running indoors. Those two teams yeah. alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'll say this: I don't think, 
I mean, Brandon Garnica just ran 758 in a rust buster, right? I don't see Garnica or Klinger, and I'm just going to be honest, I don't see them running faster than 752 or 753 this season. I think Klinger might, but I, I agree with you on Garnica. Yeah, I just, I don't know if I just see that with either of them. They're great talents, which is crazy to say that, like, they're not even going to be qualifying for nationals in a longer distance event, but um, so on and so forth. Okay, anyways, that's the 3,000 meters. We talked about it all. Shout out Aaron All. Uh, for Simon Fraser ran 7.53, uh, Aiden Ryan 7.55. Those guys are stars in the D2 and D3 spaces, respectively. We'll try to have some D2, D3 analysis on the site um, a little bit later this week. Um, if not, definitely next week, but probably this week. So, um, Also, uh, shout out Jonathan Shields, Boise State, 7.54. He's probably not going to make it, but it's we, we've seen crazier. It's still, it's a good, it's a good way to start your season. And I mean, lot, not to be lost in all of this, all these guys can obviously improve on these marks. So, um, and that's probably something that we need to include in the Devin Hart discussion, but yeah, it, it, it was a fun weekend. I'm curious to see what we get each week, uh, as we do have like this full, the full NCAA running indoor again. Last year was a lot of fun alternating between cross and indoor, but this year just having everybody racing on the indoor oval every weekend is going to be awesome. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, this is already a long podcast as it is. And there was, <laughs> there was actually a lot more results that we we just didn't oh, talk yeah. about. Yeah, there was actually plenty, a few more that we, we, that we didn't even highlight. So, um, Ben, nice work as always. Um, can't wait to edit this episode and listen back to it. It's always a fun time listening back to these episodes. But um, that's all I got on my end. All good on yours? All good. Remember, leave us some ratings on Apple and Spotify. Um, but Garrett, until next week, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.